bringing you the latest in tax credit news. This is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, December 8th, 2020. On today's podcast, we're going to discuss what you need to know about national and state median income estimates for 2021 and 2022. These estimates are of great importance to affordable housing owners and property managers. They're used to set qualifying income limits and maximum per unit rents. We're also going to talk about how the COVID-19 pandemic's economic repercussions might affect median incomes over the next few years. And perhaps more importantly, what you can do now to prepare for the future. And joining me on today's podcast to discuss median income updates is Thomas Stagg, my partner at our Metro Seattle office. Thomas is a CPA who specializes in audit and tax services for real estate transactions and properties. You may know of him from our webinars and workshops. He's often also a moderator for Novogratik conference panels. Many housing professionals tell me that they believe Thomas has a better understanding than almost anyone else as to how difficult developed areas, qualified census tracts, median income figures, and income limits apply to affordable rental housing. And you won't find me disagreeing with that assessment. Now, state and national median income limits are generally released annually. And the next round of these estimates aren't expected to be released until April 2021. However, Thomas has done considerable work to help you prepare for next year and beyond. Thomas recently published three notes from the Novogratz blog post about the income limit estimates and median income estimates for 2021 and 2022. I will include a link to all three blog posts in today's show notes, and I'll tweet them out as well. And if you've been to a workshop, webinar, or conference session with Thomas, you already know how skilled he is at describing complex issues in understandable ways. Now, we have a lot to cover today, so if you're ready, let's get started. Now, Thomas, thank you very much for joining us today. It's always a treat to have you on the podcast. Now, today's topic is a deep dive into median income and income limits and how they affect affordable rental housing. But before we take that deep dive, I wanted to ask you to share with our audience a brief explanation as to how median income limits are calculated, and more importantly, what they're used for and how they affect affordable housing tenants, developers, and investors. Yeah, thanks, Mike. So income limits, as we know, are used for setting rent limits for determining how much can be charged at projects for tenants, and also income limits for determining who can qualify to live in the project. And so in these properties, so when HUD sets out to calculate these income limits, they're trying to calculate, let's say, for example, the 2020 income limit. Now, unfortunately, they don't have data for 2020 readily available. They always have to start with historical data. And typically, the historical data that they're using is data that is three years old. And this data is called the American Community Survey. And it's kind of like a mini census that they send out every year to a handful of people, probably more than a handful. To ask about their income, and they use that data to estimate future income limits. But however, since this data is always old, as I said, three years old, and by that I mean for the 2020 income limit, we would use 2017 American Community Survey, or as I'm going to call it from now on, ACS. They would use 2017 ACS data. So somehow they have to get this 2017 data to reflect what's actually happening in 2020. So to do this, they take this historical data and they trend it forward using a CPI factor. And that CPI factor, it makes a lot of sense what they're using. They say, well, let's take, since we're using the 2017 income data, let's take the 2017 CPI and see how much CPI has grown between then and 2020. And we'll use that as our trending factor to grow the income from 2017 to 2020. 
And so HUD's always starting with this historical data and trending it forward. And that's how we get to area median income. Now, I do need to, for our more astute listeners, point out that area median income is actually just the starting point for the income limits that we'll use for tax credit and Section 8 projects. But it is kind of the driver of all the calculations. So that's what we're going to spend most of today talking about. Just know that HUD has a few additional tweaks that they apply to the area median income before they arrive at what's called very low income, which is the number that were actually used for tax credit projects. Great. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you for that great overview. Now let's take our uh, deeper dive uh, into the details. Uh, We're getting lots of questions from clients as to how median incomes and income limits may change in 2021 and 2022. Now that's a question we're always getting asked, but it does seem like we're getting a lot more inquiries this year because of the pandemic. So I'd love for you to share your thoughts as to where we might be with 2021 and 2022 uh, income limits in light of the pandemic. Yeah. So Mike, as I mentioned, so HUD using historical data to estimate this. And so to the extent that we can get our hands on this historical data, we can take a sneak peek forward at what we can expect from income limits going forward. And so right now we have available to us the 2018 and the 2019 American Community Survey data. So that allows us to do some early looks at 2021 and 2022 median income. And of course, as I said, we're using the CPI factor for this growth. And so obviously, I don't know the CPI that's going to be in place for 2021 or 2022 at this point. But the Congressional Budget Office, who HUD uses when they go to grab the CPI, has put out estimates of what they think will be happening with CPI in these years. So using this American Community Survey numbers that we know, and then taking the CPI estimate that we have currently, kind of the best estimate available, we can start trending out and estimating 2021 and 2022 numbers. And of course, the further out our estimate, the more potential there is for a change in that CPI. So our estimates tend to be uh, less reliable the more further out that they are. Still, they tend to be much more reliable than any other method we used in the past, which was basically hold our finger to the wind and see which way we think it's flowing. But so we have some pretty good data out to do our initial estimate. And if we look at kind of a national level, if we start looking at this national median income, we start to see some good insight. So we see that 2021, which again, we'll be using the 2018 American Community Survey, 2018 CPI and 2021 CPI, we're actually estimating that national median income is going to be fairly stagnant for 2021, less than a 1% increase in our national median income. And that's going to be kind of a shock compared to what we're used to, because if you look at the last few years, our national median income increases have been, so 2019 was 5.95%, 2018 was 3.4%, 2017 was 4%. And so this is going to be quite a cooling down compared to what we've had in the last few years. Now, we can also take this initial look at 2022 on a national level. And this is going to be the surprise to a lot of people is 2022, we're actually estimating currently is going to be a very, very robust year for income limit growth. It's actually being estimated right now to a little bit over 5.8% increase in the national median income for 2022. So this will be right up there with some of the largest increases we've experienced in the last five to 10 years. And so it's going to catch a lot of people kind of surprised as to be a fairly flat year than this fairly large year. And now I'm going to hint a little bit about what we're going to talk about later. 2023 is going to really buck that trend and likely go the exact opposite way. So while we kind of have a fairly rosy outlook for 2022 right now and kind of a flat outlook for 2021, kind of important to put a pin in what's going to happen in 2023 until we talk about it in a second. And so on a national level, we kind of see fairly flat and fairly robust. 
So we can kind of break that down. And we've looked and done estimates on what's going to be happening with the individual state. Now, as you would imagine, in 2021, based on what I just told you, most states will probably be flat or slightly trending down. And in fact, we look at 2021, we see that almost uh, 25% of all states will have a decrease in state median income for 2021. Whereas we have a few states like D.C., which I know is not technically a state, but we count it as a state for HUD income limit. And Vermont, we're actually up the trend even further in 2021, and they'll have large increases, D.C. at almost 8%, and Vermont at over 5.5% based on our initial estimate. And while state median income is great to kind of give you an idea what's happening in your state, what you really care about is what's happening locally, because just because your state's going up doesn't mean your local area is going up. So if we kind of take a step back and say, well, what can we kind of see on this macro level now of looking at these each individual area? First off, we have to remember that income limit increases and decreases in any given year. So we're kind of talking about having a volatile couple of years. Income limit decreases are always capped at 5%. So no area can decrease by more than 5%. And increases are capped at the greater of 5% or two times the change in national median income. So what that means for 2021, our cap is going to be 5%, right? Because two times 1% is less than 5%. So we're going to have a cap around 5%. And for 2022, we're going to have a cap on income limit increases of almost 12%. So we kind of look at this distribution. We see that based on the areas that we can estimate, and now this is a very low income estimate, which is doesn't mean these are low estimates. It's the technical name for the income limit we're estimating. For the VLI, which will be used for tax credit projects, we're estimating in 2021 that almost 35% of the areas will have a decrease in their income limit for 2021. Now, obviously, if you're one of those projects, that's important that you understand what's happening to you locally. And then we're estimating, obviously, the remainder will have an increase. But what's interesting is it's going to be a little bit of a have and have not for 2021 because we're estimating that almost 35% of all areas will kind of be in that 25 to 5% increase, which I think we'd consider fairly robust increases for underwriting purposes. So it's kind of interesting to say 35% are going down, 35%, the, another almost 35% are increasing at over 2.5%, pushing up towards 5%. So 2021 is going to be very interesting. But then we look at 2022, we see that only about less than 15% of the areas are estimated to have a decrease. So we're fairly well rebounded. But we have another 30% of the areas that are estimated to have an increase of over 7.5% for 2022. And of course, these are only the subset of areas that we're able to estimate now. There's some data limitations that we have about our estimates where we can't do all the areas. It's pretty interesting to see how 2022 is going to have some very, very big increases, which is kind of unexpected rolling out of this pandemic. Thomas, that's really interesting to think about 2021. As you mentioned, 35% having a decrease. And then again, another 35% having somewhere between 25 to 5%, having pretty, as you mentioned, pretty robust growth. So it's really going to be hit or miss depending upon the individual properties and obviously across the various states. And then it's interesting to hear how in 2022, there's a real strong rebounding. And it will be interesting in due course to look at that 15% that right now are projected to be having a reduction in 2022. How many of those? had an increase in 2021 and how they work on a compounded basis. So it's definitely right. very interesting information for anyone underwriting developments. Well, how about when you get to 2023? What comes then when you're looking at the data? I realize that's pretty far out. 
but what are your current thoughts on 2023? First, Mike, one thing that you mentioned, I think is interesting. You talked about this compounding effect. And I think in a lot of ways, the flat 2021 isn't as bad as we think it might be because 2020 was a very robust income limit growth. And probably a lot of projects have not monetized that growth yet in the sense that we aren't really increasing rent during a pandemic. And so in a lot of ways, a kind of stagnant 2021, I don't think we'll feel the brunt of that as much as we would if we weren't coming out of this kind of year where we didn't, where we likely didn't monetize some of our increases already. So I thought that was interesting when you talked about that compounding effect. There is also this little bit of a mitigating effect in the sense that we probably haven't taken limits to the max for 2020. So you raise a great question about 2023. And of course, we don't have the data yet for 2023. So 2023 is going to use the 2020 American Community Survey data. And that's what has us really concerned about the 2023 estimate because they're going to use the income data that's being collected right now, right in the heart of the pandemic, when we're seeing people on unemployment, people taking salary cuts, et cetera, that's going to have a lot of downward pressure on this American Community Survey. And then on the flip side, we see that our early estimates of the CPI factor has a trending factor that's fairly similar to that trending factor we use that we're using for the 2022 limit. And so what this means is, to keep it in very layman's terms to begin with, any sort of decrease in your ACS from 2019 to 2020, so any decrease caused by this pandemic, because of the way that CPI trending factor is fairly flat year over year, you're likely going to have a direct decrease in your median income limit for that year equal to the ACS decrease. So said another way, we don't know what's going to happen with 2020 American Community Survey yet, but let's say that decrease by 3.5%. If we have an American Community Survey decrease of 3.5% for your area, because of the trend factor, we're estimating that that would be right around a 3.22% decrease in the income limit for your area. Now, if ACS falls off the floor and we see a 10% decrease, and I think that a lot of people took the 10% haircut in their salaries during this window, if we see a 10% decrease in ACS, that would equal right around a 9.8% decrease in in VLI for your area. Now, we have to remember that HUD floors out at a 5% increase. So even if the floor does fall off for this ACS data for your area, you wouldn't have more than a 5% decrease. But what happens is you still have to claw back this other 5.5% that you're below. So you might be looking at saying, well, now I'm going to have two years of potentially big decreases. And so this is what has me really worried is we're going to have a fairly flat year in 2021. And then 2022 is going to have this big increase and everybody's going to think, awesome, we are past the pandemic. We don't need to worry about COVID impacting our income limits anymore. And then here's going to be 2023 dropping and people who haven't been listening are going to be fairly unprepared for this and could potentially be looking at fairly large decreases. And the important question is, when will we kind of know about this data. And so we'll get the 2020 American Community Survey data in September of 2021. So in September, we'll get our first look at this and we'll be able to start doing the similar analysis that we've done for 2021 and 2022 and be able to kind of get some initial estimates and start saying that these are the areas that are having decreases. Hey, maybe there's some areas that are unimpacted and start to get our first take at look at this. So definitely, I imagine in September of next year, we'll be having a very interesting conversation about 2023 income limit. That's a great observation as well. And it does remind me of the Great Recession uh, and what uh, we experienced during the Great Recession of 2008. We, we actually ended up with, as you know, some legislative language to deal with 
dramatic changes in intermediate gross income. And I don't want to go on a sidetrack, a tangent on that, but it does seem like come September of 2021, we might, once we get a sense of what 2023 might look like, that might be the time for us to start thinking about legislative answers to try to help smooth out any dramatic changes that could affect the viability of a number of low-income housing tax credit developments and tax yeah. properties. You know, Mike, if you will indulge that side tangent for one second, I do think it's important that we start that conversation in September of next year when we get the early numbers, because I can tell you in 2023, nobody's going to be wanting to talk about COVID legislation. And so it, we'd have to definitely start beating those drums as soon as we have any early implication or any idea that's going to go down so that we can get people's attention when they still want to talk about this issue. No, that's a, absolutely right. Maybe refresh our listeners or otherwise share your thoughts on how this pandemic recession and its effects on median income compare to what we did experience during the Great Recession of 2008. Sort of what's similar and what's different, uh, as obviously we don't know yet, because we don't know we, this uh, the pandemic yeah. recession is not over yet. But, but based on where we are now, what are some takeaways? The two big differences here is that we have to remember back in 2008, HUD had this county-based hold harmless policy. And they actually had that all the way through 2010. And so you really didn't see the impact of this slowdown right away because HUD held the limits harmless for a lot of the area. So even though income data was falling for your area, you were kind of held flat there. And so you didn't feel this as much as we will feel it now. And then the other real interesting thing is back in 2010, we used the five-year American Community Survey data as opposed to the one-year data that we use now. So when you're using the five-year data, if we go back and look at our historical growth map, we see that that slowdown from 08, you know, 09 really kind of lingered around for a lot longer because those slow years were sitting there in your five-year average, kind of dragging it down for a much longer period. And there are still some areas that use five-year data, areas that don't have a reliable one-year survey will use a five-year survey still. But those areas are generally fairly small, fairly rural areas that likely have some sort of other state non-metro adjustment that kind of makes up for that. So we won't kind of see this lingering as long now. You know, I was pulling up some historical maps and seeing that 2008 recession was still kind of hurting us in 2013, 2014 income limits. It really wasn't until 16, 17 until we started seeing all green on our maps, meaning all increases across the country. But I don't think it's going to hang around as long this time. But what we will see is since we are using that CPI factor, obviously it's going to kind of depend how long it impacts our CPI to determine how long it stays around because 2020 income ACS data will only be used for 2023. Then in 2024, we moved on to 2021 limits. So to the extent that 2021 is a great year and we've all rebounded, that's going to really limit the number of years that we are impacted by bad 2021. And one other thing I will say when we're talking about this growth rate and potential of a big decrease in ACS, and then that decrease kind of coming straight over to your income limit. Again, if the economy turns and that CPI starts really cranking, and by 2023, CPI has had a, a big growth, that will help offset this decrease in ACS. So if CPI has grown by 10% and ACS has gone down by 10%, well, then we might end up flat. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the economy recovers in that CPI front. And can that help drag up these bad ACS status for 2020? So you can tell I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be very, very interesting. I'm just not sure how many lessons we can learn from 2008 because it's changed so much, but it still doesn't make it any less interesting to look back at. 
And does the switch from five years of data to one year of data also mean that the fall will be more dramatic as well as the return could be more dramatic as well? Basically, makes yeah. it more, less level? Yeah, that's a great point because you'll see that, right, we bounce down. We don't have four good years holding us up either on our five-year average. And so you will see kind of this more dramatic swing. And we do already see that in some of the data. If you really dig into it, you'll see some areas that kind of have this up-down trend because they're only using one year and it's a smaller area. They're probably not sampling as many people. And so you do see that sometimes already with more of this up-down trend. And we'll see it on a global scale, I think. That's a great point. So that's uh, all very interesting. And then the real question becomes, well, what should owners and developers be doing now to prepare? And certainly one item that you know obviously kind of comes to mind with this dramatic potential fall followed by climb, is this going to be very important for developers, uh, investors, owners to understand the volatility potentially in their particular area of median income so they can plan in advance for that volatility. So when it falls, if it does fall, they won't be surprised. And then they also won't be too panicked uh, if it looks like the fall will be a temporary uh, decline. Share with me your thoughts as to what owners and developers should be doing now to prepare for these coming income limits and this coming volatility. Yeah. So first, we always have to remember that we have a hold harmless policy. So once your project's in service, if the income limits decrease, you're held harmless. So you don't have to lower your income and rent limits for existing in-service projects. Now, obviously, you might not have an increase for a few years while you wait for that to recover. But that's good news for existing projects in the sense that you won't have to have this big decrease. So then I think, well, what about new projects? So new projects, it's really time to refresh your memory on the gross rent floor election and hold harmless policies and how those impact your project. And just remember the gross rent floor election allows you to use the rents that were in place when you applied for tax credits or tax-exempt bonds if the rents are later lower when you place your project in service. So making sure that you understand that interplay, and if you have projects that are placing in service in 2023, that you're watching to make sure that you're trying to time that place in service before the new income limits come out as much as you can. But probably more importantly, because often we can't control place in service by that much, But more importantly, if you have projects that you're applying for in 2023 or at the end of 2022, that you're trying to get your 42M letter or your tax credit allocation so that you can lock in your gross rent floor at these higher 2022 limits. So you're not locking in that gross rent floor at the really low 2023 limits and waiting for them to kind of rebound. So definitely there's going to be some very interesting timing in 2023. And of course, in September of 2022, we'll have a look at what income limits will look like in 2024. And so it can kind of help you know what's going to happen for your project over that time period. And then of course, stress testing your income assumptions for any new projects, right? If you're sitting there forecasting 2% income growth for the next 15 years, right? Over the course of the 15 years, you may be correct. But if in the year you're trying to convert to term debt, you had a big decrease in rent limit, that can have a serious impact on your project. So making sure that you understand the income limits and understand how they impact you and making sure your underwriting assumptions are building in, maybe not as robust as an estimate as you would before. And of course, a little bit of a plug here, you should be buying the income estimates for your area. So you understand what's happening at your local level so that you can have a little more confidence when you're underwriting this. And granted, we might not get it to the right percentage, but we'll definitely know if you're in an area that's going down by 5% or up by 5%, we'll be able to tell you which bucket you fall into. So definitely making sure that you're using all these resources. 
Yeah, that's a great point about the income uh, estimates. And I'll talk about that more in a moment. But maybe you could maybe expand on the gross rent floor. And while your a property's gross rent is a floor, so the gross rent wouldn't come down, but it is the gross rent, not the net rent. And maybe you could discuss the interaction with utility allowances and how such projects might see a slight decline in rents and actual net rents collected from occupants, from the residents. So let's say when you applied for tax credits, your rent limit was $1,000 for a three-bedroom unit, let's call it. And then when you place the project in service, that rent limit has decreased to $900 per unit. That would be a fairly dramatic decrease that hopefully we wouldn't see. But in setting your rent limits, you'd be able to use the $1,000 as your gross rent that you had when you applied for the project. Now, of course, that has to be reduced by utility allowance. So when you applied, if your utility allowance was $150, you would have applied with an $850 net rent. But now if the utility allowance has increased by $25, so it's $175, now your net rent would only be $825. So you're not insulated from any and all decreases in your rent limit. It's just the growth, the top line number that won't see changes. Thank you very much, Thomas, for joining us today. I have no doubt that our listeners have learned quite a bit. I'm sure many of them will want to go back and listen to this podcast again to make sure they got everything correctly because there was a lot of uh, dense topics and you explained everything very well. Good job. And most importantly, I appreciate that you provided guidance as to what developers and investors are doing now to prepare for the next few years. And we do look forward to having you back on the podcast to discuss income limits when the underlying uh, data is released from HUD. And perhaps uh, before that, if there's any new developments that are a particular note. Now, to our listeners, if you have any questions about income limits or median incomes, please don't hesitate to reach out to Thomas Stagg. Thomas loves it when you reach out to him. Thomas loves discussing income limits and median incomes. I will include his contact information in today's show notes. And we did note earlier in the podcast that Novogratik does offer a great tool that estimates rent and income limits for areas. The Novogratik Rent and Income Limit Estimator uh, is used by many, many developers, investors, and lenders to underwrite low-income housing tax credit properties. If you're not using it already, rest assured that fellow developers or fellow investors or fellow lenders are using it. I will include a link to purchase a Novogratik Rent and Income Limit Estimator report in today's show notes. I'll tweet it out as well. You can also feel free to reach out to Thomas directly to get areas that you want to get uh, rent and income limit estimates for. Now, if you're wondering who's going to be our guest next week, where you're gonna, you can wonder no longer. Next week, Novogratz Director of Public Policy and Government Relations, Peter Lawrence, will be joining us. Now, the federal government is facing a Friday, December 11 deadline to either pass another continuing resolution or an omnibus bill or what's called a chronibus bill. That's a combination of a continuing resolution and individual spending bills. Now, Congress is also considering tax extenders, coronavirus relief legislation, and that coronavirus relief legislation might include $25 billion in rental assistance. And they're also considering a number of other pieces of legislation. So if you care about federal government funding and potential community development incentive tax changes, you're not going to miss next week's podcast. So thanks again, Thomas, for joining us. And that's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived podcasts are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast 
or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. You can find related links referenced in this podcast in our show notes at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. Novograd and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.